Said I'm a weekend alcoholic every day, back with a holic every night, but see a holic, I can give it up. But I'm a morning alcoholic, be that early bird, a holic, change the fucking world, a holic, I can give it up. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Guys Girl Show. My name is Blythe Dunleaf. I am your host. We are here every Monday night and Friday morning. To, to keep, recap you and preview the week in sports and entertainment. And just in case you missed anything, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it all in today's show. The big games to watch, what you may have missed last night, and the, the Thursday night game with Dallas against the Vikings, a controversial call, a little bit of Rob Gronkowski, um, a little bit of internet news, some Nintendo love, some, some game awards last night. So we're going to recap all of that in today's show. I'm really excited, though, because this morning, we're a little late to the game this morning. It's about 10.30. I usually like to start this Friday morning show about 9 a.m., but just as a little bit of housekeeping news, I usually do this show as a live stream with a video component. But I haven't been able to get my my tech working right, and, and it's been a long process ever since of, of launching the show back in August, I believe, is, is, is when we launched. But I ran into some technical difficulties where I've had to do the shows either from my laptop and mic configurations and all that good stuff. But good news is that I finally got it all worked and when I say I, I mean tech support over in China who had to actually take over my computer and, and figure out what the issue was. And um, it looks like they got everything fixed. So no video today because, I frankly, I didn't have time to uh, do my hair and makeup. So I do not want to scare any of you guys. So we're just going to go with audio today. Monday, though, it should be a completely newer type revamped show. I should be able to, especially with the live stream, be able to show you, you know, that I, I talk about a lot of, like, funny Internet pictures and, and, and videos and things like that. So I should be able to incorporate those right directly into the live stream. We should be able to live stream directly to Facebook Live and to YouTube, as well as the, the regular Periscope that we have, you know, multiple times per week. So if, you, if you're interested in hearing or seeing any of that, be sure to check out, you know, the various social networks that I'm on, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, just search for Guys Girl, G-U-Y-S Girl. And then, um, or you can just make it easy on yourself and just check guysgirl.com because that's where I'll post it, all of the, the event recaps or the show recaps, I should say, with all the videos and links and including the live stream video, which hopefully will be really, really awesome thanks to the XSplit team. They were the ones that actually helped me and, and took over my computer and, and, and figured out all the settings that I had screwed up. So it's gonna, it's really, really great news for this show moving forward. So it should be, uh, pretty interactive. So, so thanks for bearing with me through, um, I, through the audio difficulties, um, especially with interviews that, that are coming on. We should be able to seamlessly have guests on the show moving forward instead of me taking my phone and putting it on speakerphone and hoping that you guys can hear it clearly, which you kind of can't, but um, we had to get it done. I had to figure out a, a workaround method, and, and luckily that is uh, hopefully in the rear view mirror. So anyways, now that I, I've said all that, let's dive right into to today's show, and I just want to start off, I, I can't start off with anything else except for that Dallas Cowboys against the, the Vikings game last night. That was one of the better Thursday night games that we've seen in a while, and in fact, the overnight rating for that game on NBC was the second best ever for Thursday night football behind the 2015 Denver KC matchup on CBS, uh, obviously last year. So that was, I mean, it was a great game, came down to the wire. Uh, the Vikings needed a two-point conversion at the end, and there was a very controversial non-call 
that didn't happen. There was a face mask that should or you know, would, uh, not a face mask, but um, the passer call that should have been called on Sam Bradford at the end of the game. It wasn't called, and uh, left a lot of Vikings fans feeling bitter, having a bitter taste in their mouth. The Cowboys ultimately ended up winning 17-15, to 15, so it was a very low-scoring game. Dak, uh, Dak Prescott had a, a decent game, but he didn't play lights out against that Vikings defense. Um, but it got me to thinking, because I said earlier this week on the Helmets and Heels show, which airs Tuesday nights here locally in Jacksonville on Pinpin XL, but I said earlier in the week that I, I didn't like all of the fans that complain about penalties and being called or not being called on their team and that they should actually just look to themselves and, and that, or not themselves, but the, the team itself and that you really can only blame your team is if you're put into a position where a call determines your fate at the end of the game. But I, I sort of want to backtrack a little bit against that because if I was a Vikings fan last night, I'm furious at, at the way that game ended because to me, you shouldn't, you should have, you can control what you can control as far as your own team is concerned. Bad calls are always going to happen. It's that human element is, it, that's involved with the game that, that frankly can't be taken away it, it's, as far as sports is concerned. There will always be bad calls. And so I've always sort of had the mindset that if you take care of your own business first, then you don't have to rely on on penalties or, or waiting for a penalty fight to be called. But that play last night, that was the last play of the game, and it directly affected the outcome of the game with that missed uh, roughing the passer call on Sam Bradford. Sam, they, were, they, they scored touchdown they needed a two-point conversion to tie it they didn't end up getting it and it was because of the no call and, and I just I, I wonder what you can do in that situation do you would fans want to see a product on the field where if a penalty should have been called is that something that's going to be reviewable I'm not sure that you want to implement that during an entire game because that's just it, to me, it would slow down the play of the game and the flow of the game. But I think that there could be a concession made where possibly you only review penalties that should be called or have the ability to review penalties that should be called in the final two minutes of the game. That way you're not directly affecting the outcome of the game. Or you don't want a non-call to directly affect the outcome of the game, but you also keep the flow of the game intact. So maybe that could be a good, um, a, a, a good, I guess, bipartisan meeting between uh, the, the NFL and the refs and, and questioning the integrity of the game and the play calling. I just don't want to get into a situation where everybody at home has access to HD televisions and these refs have to make a decision in a split second. Uh, and, and, and it's you have to give. We have the luxury of fans as being able to watch something from our houses on HD televisions with multiple camera angles. The refs don't have access to those same things, and maybe that's something that should change too. Because there, there. I know there was a game earlier in the year with the Jaguars. I think it was Jaguars Chiefs where CBS decided that they weren't going to send a full crew. And, and a full crew meaning like a full camera crew. So if you are, if for those who don't understand, if you are a, a premier matchup as far as a, a network is concerned. So something like, um, like, a, like last night's game, for example, you know, Dallas versus the Vikings, two teams that had a full week off to prepare. They both, the, both of those teams played on Thanksgiving. So it was one of the first Thursday night games where we got to see 
see a really great Thursday night game. And with that, the the networks are going to send a full camera crew. And so the multiple camera angles that these refs can work with. And a lot of the times, if you are a lower tier matchup, say, you know, Indy at the Jets this coming up Monday night, well, at the Monday night game, so they're going to have a full crew there. But say if you're on a Sunday and you are, you know, the Jaguars and the, and the Colts playing against each other, for example, CBS will put, or any other network will put a hierarchy of games that are going to be played. And so they'll send their biggest crews to the best games. And to me, that is very, that's extremely flawed that if one game is going to have 10 camera angles and a lower tier game is only going to have four. And that's just, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out there as an example, because some of these lower tier games aren't getting the same amount of camera crews at these, depending on the quality of play. But if the NFL wants to, to keep the integrity of the league intact, I think that they should make it mandatory that every single game should have a minimum amount of crew that's there covering all the different angles so that you don't have these people, you don't have fans constantly questioning if if the, you, the game is being called correctly and, 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 and you don't have those questions if the refs have the same access to information as fans do and as maybe a crew for a higher tier game that has multiple camera angles. So I think that that's something that the NFL definitely needs to address because there, there's a multitude of reasons of why refs miss these calls. Another reason besides the camera angles is that these refs aren't full time and the rule book expands every single year and you you have instances where coaches and teams can can take advantage of, of little-known calls like what we saw last week with Baltimore against Cincinnati. And Baltimore, you cannot end a game on a defensive holding call, but you can end a game on an offensive holding call. And in order to prevent the Bengals from getting the ball back, the offensive lineman for the Ravens, it held it, it, extremely like you get a holding call, but these guys actually held like for a long time until the point where the clock ran out and their quarterback is in it. Flack was in the end zone, and he just ends up just giving up the safety. But the Bengals don't get the ball back in order to score a touchdown. So you're essentially giving up the two points by committing, you know, erosion. Is I think I said that word right? Who knows? Um, but it, it, you're, you're effectively or, or essentially ruining the chance for the Bengals to come back and get the ball in their hands by committing a penalty. And that, I think it's a very smart play on the Ravens' part, but I could see where that could be something that the NFL uh, would address as far as, you know, integrity of the league is concerned. And, and, and the rest of it, it, and who knows if they even knew about that rule towards the end of the game, and maybe they had to do a little freshen up, a refresher course on the rules of the game, but I think that, that there's a multitude of reasons how of, of, of how the refing can be improved in the NFL, and I think that those are just a few ways to, to take care of that. I think that you can implement uh, a, a review challenge in the final two minutes of a game, maybe send it up to a guy that's watching you know, a TV feed up in the booth and have him review it, just immediately go to him and say if a penalty should have been called or not, and then you call the penalty retroactively in the final two minutes only. And I think you, you make a minimum amount of camera crews that are sent to every single game. No other game should have a hierarchy over another game if you want to keep integrity intact within your league. And also make these reps full-time. Pay them full-time 
and, and allow them to learn their craft and have the time to learn their craft so these guys aren't holding down a full-time job when it's not football season or when they're not resting on game days. So those are just a few suggestions that the NFL could take care of to avoid, you know, it, it, possibly determining the outcome of the game because uh, the, Sam Bradford very well could have converted on that two-point conversion and then we're going into overtime and then overtime on a Thursday night game between two pretty good teams is, is a win for everybody. It's a win for the league, it's a win for advertisers, and a win for fans except for fans on the East Coast that were that had to go to bed very late if you wanted to watch that game. But a little less sleep is worth it if you're going to watch a really good game. So next up, in case you missed some of the, the reports that came out earlier this week, the report is that Rob Gronkowski has to undergo back surgery. His career has been littered with injuries. He's expected to miss up to eight weeks. He was uh, he was on the cover of Madden, and um, so that the the, the infamous uh, Madden curse strikes again. So that that Patriots offense is very very different without Rob Gronkowski in there. Obviously, Peyton Manning and Bill Belichick are, are Hall of Fame or future Hall of Famers in and of themselves. So they they still should be pretty okay to, to seal up that AFC East division, and, and they probably won't get home field advantage unless the Oakland Raiders choke it away, but that's a big, big loss for the Patriots to, to miss that guy, but they've sort of been used to playing without him, so let's see if they can keep it going. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is in, in particular to um, the females in sports, especially with, with women who cover sports, is, is Sarah Spain. She released the, this podcast earlier this week, and Sarah Spain, she's been, I mean, she's, she's sort of like a, an, an ESPN legend. Uh, she's been working for ESPN Chicago for forever, um, or Chicago native, I guess you could say, and she's been covering sports for, I mean, she's one of the best in the business, and she's, con I would say, constantly talking about sexism in sports as far as um, you know, media members are concerned, but she does harp on it a lot, and to the point where it's like, it's almost exhausting, but then she released this podcast earlier this week that was talking about how the, the, the different, um, I guess, issues of sexual harassment that she has faced over her career and that fellow women in, in the sport industry have, have faced, and including Jamel Hill, Jackie McMullen. There's a slew of women that offered up a pre-recorded, I guess, a storyline or their different instances where they face sexism in their career to the point where, you know, the, Sarah Spain earlier in her career, she talked about how she was offered a job out in L.A., I believe it was out in L.A., but she was working as an intern, and they, they essentially offered her the job, and then one of the, the higher-ups that was there talked about how, you know, she could, he just interrupted a work meeting and essentially said that, I, you know what, everybody, I could just stare at Sarah's tits all day. And that's that's straight up what he said in a work meeting. And, and that was one of the first cases of sexual harassment that Sarah's being faced. And, and when you're in a work environment and, and, and somebody says something like that in the workplace in front of your colleagues, that to me is absolutely unacceptable. And it's stuff, and there was another instance where she was, uh, there was another woman that was on the podcast. So it's like a collection of, of stories from different women in sports that, that recorded the, these stories about their what they faced as far as sexual harassment is concerned. Sarah Spain lumped them all into one collective podcast and, and just sort of talks about how sexism still exists, especially in the sports world. And I don't think that anybody is really shocked by that. I don't know that people are shocked by the fact that there are shitty people in the world. Um, but to me, because personally, I've never faced 
any form of sexism on that level, um, especially the ones that they talk about in this podcast. And if you haven't heard it, I'll link to it in the show notes, and so you can go back and listen to it, because a lot of these stories were, were pretty alarming. I thought it, it, ignorance on my part, but I thought that this was mostly going to be about Twitter trolls and, and how, you know, the, you can't escape bullying on the internet and things like that, and I'm sort of just, I'm sort of tired of that narrative. Because Twitter puts in a lot of place or, or a lot of parameters that you can just block idiots, and and I've only have have been on Twitter since 2009, and I, I I consider myself a pretty vocal, opinionated woman in sports. And while I definitely I do not have the profile of someone as say you know a Sarah Spain at ESPN with thousands and thousands of followers, this it's still I, I've never faced any kind of level of harassment that she's faced, especially in the workplace. I don't know how I would deal with it in the workplace. But on Twitter, there are so many different parameters that you can set into place where you can mute people, you can block people, and you can just ignore shitty people that are on the web because the the, the pro and the con of Twitter is that you can talk with like-minded strangers all over the world. But then there's also the con of, of, of knowing that there are a lot of shitty people in the world, and, and sometimes you just have to deal with it. And having an opinion in sports, no matter your gender, having a strong opinion, you're going to face some backlash. I mean, you think guys like, you know, Skip Bayless are going to have nice mentions or, or nice comments in their mentions constantly? No, they're, they're, they're getting called all kinds of names as well. So sometimes I think it's a little bit overblown with, with, with you know, women in sports when they talk about how, they're treated so unfairly online. That's To me, that's the nature of the beast, and that's the nature of the industry. If you anger a set of fans, you're going to hear from those fans, and it sort of comes with the territory. Now, should you receive death threats? Should should people take it, you know, an extra level? Jack McMullen even talked about on Sarah Spin's podcast that, you know, she, back before Twitter even existed, she started getting letters in the mail from one person, from one particular mail, and he... At first, it started out with just threatening her, and then it started threatening, you know, her children and, and where she went to school and or where they went to school and, and things like that, and that's an actual letter form. So that, to me, is obviously an extreme circumstance, and, and that's unacceptable, but your everyday run-of-the-mill person who is, you know, egg profile on Twitter that's going to call you a bitch just because you say that Michigan sucks or something like that, that, to me, comes with the territory. So it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting read or listen so i i'm going to link that in in today's show notes just in case if you wanted to give that a listen because it definitely opened up my eyes because i i think a lot of us are are, are maybe desensitized to the fact of, of of what women face on a regular basis as far as sports coverage is concerned like i said i've never really faced anything to that um that, to that level of harassment i just get called you know uh, stupid or you're you're uneducated or something like that and that's just a simple mute feature away like i'm not going to give people the satisfaction of of blocking them unless it gets to a point where it, it's it's definitely you know i I'm, I'm fearing for my safety. So that that's just um, just a little bit of my two cents on the whole thing. I, I feel like I'm sort of in the middle, right dead in the middle, 
on you know women in sports and sexism and then if it's you know just overly uh unfair for women in sports i don't think it's overly unfair for women in sports i think a lot of people get called a lot of names but to the point where you know like jackie mcmullen are getting letters sent to their house and sarah spain is getting called out in the middle of a work meeting like to me that's completely unacceptable so i sort of see both sides I'm, I'm sort of right in the middle um with that but it's a very very interesting read i do think that one thing that one uh, one aspect of sports media coverage is concerned is that I, i've talked with other women in sports uh jamie lamb from the bronze side she's actually been on this show before and she said to me herself that she some of the most difficult difficult challenges she's had from working in sports hasn't been from men but it's been from women and it, it's, it's, there's a secret, not like, yeah, it's kind of a secret group on Facebook that's a closed private group, invite only, that essentially is for real women who cover sports. So you're sort of looked at if you happen to be somewhat attractive and you cover sports, you're not considered a real woman who covers sports. So it's, it has sort of that mean girls vibe to it, which is completely ridiculous, obviously. Um, but that's just another side of the coin that I don't think gets talked about enough, that a lot of women are not champions of each other, of, of their fellow gender, and being able to pump each other up instead of treating each other like the harsh competition, which, I mean, competition is part of sports, and it's part of sports media coverage, so maybe that's another one of those things that you just got to accept it and, and, and keep moving and, and, and surround yourself with people who are like-minded and people who support, you to, support each other and lift each other up, because I really think that 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 is the beauty of sports is when other women lift each other up, especially when it comes to sports coverage and, and instead of being uh, instead of trying to bring people down, I always try to be a good person. So so that's um, that, that's just a little bit of my take on the sexism in sports, I guess you could say. But it's a really good listen of that Sarah Spain podcast. So I'm going to link that in the show notes today. Moving on to another little bit of a little, uh, this is definitely <laughs> um, somewhat controversial that conservative pundit. Tommy Lauren, it, it, she is essentially famous for creating these videos on on Facebook. They get millions of views, and and she she she's known for being sensationalism or, or being sensationalist and sort of pumping out propaganda. A lot of her stuff is is definitely you know exactly what she's trying to do. She's playing to a certain demographic. She's she's. There, there, I, I feel like there are a lot of people in this country that a very small amount, though, that are extremely far left or extremely far right. And the majority of Americans are in the middle, to me. Um, but conservative Tammy Lauren, she plays to that very, very small amount. Well, not small amount if she's getting millions of views, but that small amount of people who are on the far right. And she's famously blasted Colin Kaepernick, um, Black Lives Matter, all of that other, um, uh, uh, anything else that would, I guess, be considered as far as conservative newsworthy information. Anybody that's disrespecting the flag or disrespecting the country and yada, 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 and there's no room for protest and there's no room for, you know, how we can improve as a society. So she plays to, to that crowd. And Trevor Noah, who is on Comedy Central, he's the host of The Daily Show, and he famously took over Jon Stewart's role. Well, Trevor Noah invited Penny, or Penny Loren onto, her, onto his show, and it was, honestly, it was one of the, the best 
I've seen in a long time because for the first time in a while you see two people on opposite ends of the spectrum and you're inviting conversations with people that you know you disagree with, that you know your audience disagrees with, but they had this dialogue civilly and I think that that's what's missing in the majority of political debates that you, you hear nowadays because everybody likes to live, especially with social media, everybody likes to live in an echo chamber of their own thoughts and their own opinions. And when you invite other people that have a, a vastly different opinion, you open that door to conversation and you open that door to, to especially with like uh, Lauren's audience. So a lot of people probably watched her on Trevor Noah, on, on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and maybe a few of them had their opinion changed a little bit. Maybe they're not used to hearing other people's opinions on, on certain subjects, especially when it came to, to Colin Kaepernick. I, I have famously said that I thought that Colin Kaepernick didn't understand what he exactly was protesting, and that he is one of those social media justice warriors who will tweet about a cause, but won't actually do anything in the public to, to rectify that cause. And and I, 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 whether he is a smart person or not, I think is irrelevant, but he does have a, a right to protest, whether or not you agree that he should protest at his job or, or during other times, um, that, that's up for debate as well. But she blasted him, and, and Trevor Noah came back with his opinion, well, where should, uh, where should we protest? Should we protest on the field? Should we protest next to the flag? If we protest in the street, we're, we're considered thugs. Where, should, where is it acceptable for a black person to, to protest in this country? And she couldn't answer the question, and she deflected the entire time. And, and I think that, that is such an interesting argument. So it, it was, it, to me, it was great. It was a civilized debate. There was no yelling. There was no talking over each other. It was a back and forth about opposing views. And I think that if you just open the door to conversations like that versus living in your own echo chamber of opinions, then you open yourself up to evolving as a society for the better. And, and, and I think that that's always, always a good thing. So if you, if you didn't get a chance to view that, I'll make sure I link that in the post as well because it's, it's a really fascinating watch. So go, moving on to, if you're just joining us, my name is Blythe. This is the Guys Girls Show. We do the show every Monday and Friday and uh, recapping and previewing all of the sports and entertainment action that you might have missed during the week while you're probably busy working. And, you know, it's December now, so everybody is packed with, with holiday events and, and shopping and all that good stuff. So this is what we like to do. If you haven't subscribed yet in iTunes or your podcast player of choice, just be sure to search for Guys Girls Shows and you should be able to find us. You'll get a notification the minute any show goes live. And um, if you missed any part of like the links or you want to see what we're talking about, I always do the blog, blog post recaps. I post them up on guysgirl.com so you can check those out in case you don't feel like subscribing. But you definitely should subscribe and you should rate and review because it definitely helps with a little show like mine trying to, to expand our audience, which you guys have been really great at doing that so far. So, so thank you so much for, for doing that. Um, it really helps a lot for, for someone like me who essentially works out of their home and tries to create an entertaining product, a knowledgeable product, and, and hopefully insightful, a little bit of funny mixed into and to, to, to get you through your day. So, so hopefully you're doing that. Share it with all your friends. Share it with all your family. If you don't feel like listening to, to your family, talk about politics over the holiday break, just point into this podcast or just put, it on, put in your headphones and you don't have to listen to any of them. So moving on to 
sort of some good news with the NFL. The NFL is allowing this week only for players to have their own cleats that tie into a, a charity of their choice. So they're using the hashtag MyCauseMyCleats and in collaboration with the Players Tribune, which is uh, essentially the voice for players in sport that was started up by Derek Jeter a couple years ago before his retirement was announced. But some players worked directly with Nike, Under Armour, Adidas to design cleats promoting their causes. And, and some teams work with independent designers to come up with custom cleats. But it was a really, it's a really cool effort. And we saw a glimpse of that last night with the Dallas Cowboys that they, they put out a picture of Ezekiel Elliott's cleats. And that is, it, it's just a really cool thing that the NFL is finally allowing their players to have a little bit of a voice for their own causes that they're, that they're passionate about themselves instead of, you know, just um, obviously the, the NFL's tie-ins with, with various charities that are probably sponsorships as well. The Susan B. Coleman Foundation is one of the famous ones where the NFL promotes the shit out of them during the month of October and as little as like 8% of, of all the sales of the breast cancer awareness stuff in the month of October goes to actual uh, goes to the Susan G. Coleman Foundation, and the Susan, Susan G. Coleman Foundation is in and of itself just, um, in, in theory, it's supposed to be a good charity, it's supposed to be a good cause, the majority of their of their charitable contributions are spent on salaries and, and events and, and things, everything but breast cancer research, so that's my big problem with Susan G. Coleman, there are a lot of different charities out in the world that, that send off the majority of their contributions directly to uh, research and, and help Tom Coughlin J Fund is one, of those th- is one of those charities, there's also a local one here in Jacksonville, Florida where I'm based called In the Pink, where they cover the very small operating costs. They do not pay their executives. They only have a couple executives, I want to say, um, but they pay them a very moderate salary. It's nothing exorbitant, but they the majority of their money goes to helping women who don't have insurance um, to, to afford medications for, for breast cancer treatment or just cancer in general, and they also help them with affording um, the money for a wig, because for a woman losing your hair, especially with when breast cancer is is concerned, that is that probably the most traumatic part is is losing your hair. Um, but that that's just a few different charities that I think that it that it could be better served with getting a, a brighter spotlight shined on them. And I'm sure that a lot of NFL players agree because they're finally given the opportunity to, to promote the charities that they care about the most. So, so kudos to the NFL for letting them do it this week. They actually should let them do it every week, but that's, um, that, that's another battle we can fight another day. But my cause, my cleats, be on the lookout for that all this week with the NFL, um, with the NFL matchups because following this week, those custom cleats are also going to be auctioned off by the NFL. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to the cause the cleats were designed to support. So that's really, really cool. Moving on to Major League Baseball, just a little bit of Major League Baseball news. I know it's football season right now, so I won't bore you too much with it. Um, but the All-Star Game, winter meetings are going on right now for the Major League Baseball, and they determined that the All-Star Game will no longer determine home field advantage, which is, I, I know a lot of fans are, are, are passionate one way or another about this. I sort of like the idea that the All-Star Game meant something. The All-Star Game in Major League Baseball is arguably, it, it's definitely the best out of all the major sports, but 
a lot of people had a gripe that, you know, especially with the Cubs this year, they won the most games in all of baseball, but they didn't have home field advantage because the American League won the All-Star game. And I don't, I mean, I'm an American League fan. I like the DH. I like our league better than the NL. I know baseball players love the NL over the AL, and, and they love their tradition in baseball. But to me, Tradition is also what handicaps baseball, and it also keeps it from growing and appealing to, to younger demographics. That the average age of a baseball watcher is 56 years old. 56 years old. So to me, I like I like adding in new rules. I like changing it up every now and then, especially when, when with baseball is concerned. And I think that the MLB needs to do more of that. But I'm okay with them changing it back to to, to not determining home field advantage. I still think it'll be a, a highly watched All Star game because it is the best in all of sports, and it's the uh, one of the few that actually has occurs in the middle of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, I, I kind of liked it. I don't really care either way or another, or one way or another, so we'll see how that works out. Earlier in the week, there was uh, an attack, a campus attack on Monday on the Ohio State campus, and a professor was injured. I don't know if you guys heard the story, but it's, it's pretty much fandom at its best. Ohio State engineer professor William Clark was among one of the victims in a car and knife attack at the university on Monday. After the attack was over, though, he reminded the world that a certain football game this past Saturday went Ohio State's way because he said this to Time Magazine. He said, university campuses are vulnerable to that kind of thing because we are an open society where young Young people can grow up and learn and make a certain amount of mistakes. He continued on to say, we're still a great university. We still beat Michigan. So that's just a great, great line that even in the midst of, of, of crime and terror and, and, you know, an attack on campus, that he still is able to, to bring it back a little bit to reality of, you know, that there are certain things that, that are very, very important in the state of Ohio and in Michigan, and is that whoever wins that game. And so Ohio State obviously has bragging rights for another year, um, but that's that's it's still pretty funny that that's fandom at its best for this professor, that after an attack like that, and he was one of the guys that was injured, he said, we still beat Michigan. So that that's pretty funny. Um, moving on to... The Rams, um, the Rams have said that Jeff Fisher will not be based this year by being, uh, his a decision on extending his contract is not going to be based this year for the, the losing coach. He's a famously 500, uh, famously 500 coach in the NFL. He was with the Titans for forever. Now he's with the Rams. Uh, he's familiar. And I, and I, I think to me, the Rams are going to be holding on to Jeff Fisher for one to two more years, despite his record. I think that with the move from St. Louis to Los Angeles, that this has been a, a very uh, difficult thing for the organization because I don't know that a lot of people are aware, but their 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 faculty and their staff and or not faculty, but their their staff in you know front office operations and and, and coaching and players, they're all located at different locations all in the Los Angeles area until their new stadium is, is completed. And their new stadium isn't going to be completed for another couple of years. So right now what you have is a little bit of chaos. And I think with the Rams, the reason why they're making this decision is they want to keep some kind of stability in place. Jeff Fisher has previous experience with it, moving a team, not quite in this manner, but moving a team with the Houston Oilers to the Tennessee Titans. So he has that experience there. So it's, it's sort of a unique 
position for Jeff Fisher to be in, that while he's a 500 coach and he probably should have been fired, you know, 20 different times over his career, just based off of his losing record, I think the Rams are going to stick with him just to create some kind of continuity with the franchise because they're, they're so they're so scattered right now that they need some kind of veteran leadership and continuity at the top. So expect Rams to stick with Jeff Fisher for a while. Uh, the poor Browns. Uh, the, the Christmas Eve game right now. Oh, you can find tickets for the Browns to on Christmas Eve for six dollars, starting at six dollars. Poor winless Browns. Oh goodness. I, I mean, the Jaguars have. I mean, similar position with the Jaguars and the Browns is that they've had a similar record since I don't know when. I, I, I don't know for like the past five years or so. They they have nearly identical record for, for both of those teams. And the Jaguars play on Christmas Eve this year too, and they play against the Titans, a hated hated rival. And I know. I'm pretty sure we're going to lose that game, the Jaguars. And when I say we, I usually mean the Jaguars. So I feel for Browns fans, especially the fact that you can tell by the, the level of interest as far as the team is concerned. If your team is selling tickets for $6 a pop, that is um, that is a not a good sign. Um, so so I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to go catch a game in, in Cleveland, that's a really that's a that's one of the cheapest options you're ever going to see as far as the NFL is concerned. Uh, tickets might go up just a little bit, but novelty's sake, if I'm in Cleveland and I don't have season tickets or tickets to the game, and they're only six bucks. I might just go watch it. I mean, it's for for fans like the Cowboys and and Forty Niners even and the Jaguars. This is something that. You just gotta at this point in the season, just go have fun in a football game. Like you can't, don't don't let your the your happiness be determined by the outcome on the field. Because let's face it, both of these, all of these teams are complete garbage. It's already draft season for them. It's been draft season since a month ago. And it, if you can't just go to a football game for dirt cheap, have fun with your friends, and then go and open some presents later on that night, that sounds like a pretty good Christmas Eve to me. So. Pay six bucks, go see your Browns play. Even if they are going to lose, which they probably will, maybe it's a, it's a situation where they don't where 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 they don't lose that game, and then it turns into be one of the greatest days of of your your fandom of, of short lived fandom. Uh, so moving on to uh, Ravens safety Eric Weddle apparently eats an insane amount of ice cream after every game, and he usually eats it during Sunday night football. So what he does is he plays his it, Raven safety, so he, he plays his game during the day, then after the game, he gets a gallon of ice cream. And he says in a story that he eats about half of the gallon before halftime, or before the, the, the Sunday night game starts, and then by halftime, he's hungry again. So he goes and grabs the rest of the gallon and crushes an entire gallon of ice cream within a few hours. So I, I, I thought that that was awesome that Eric Reynolds deals with his emotions the same way I do. That you just, you get some ice cream, and all of a sudden you feel in, insanely bad. Not to be stereotypical or anything, but yes, I love me some ice cream. I could have it at any point in the day, whether I'm happy or whether I'm sad, it doesn't matter. If you, if it's uh, two degrees outside or 100 degrees, I love me some ice cream. So I, 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 I wouldn't be able to eat a gallon of it like a professional athlete of, like Eric Weddle, but kudos to him for being able to knock it down and knock it down regularly without uh, affecting his physical performance. Another big thing that hit the internet this week that, that or the internet was essentially going crazy for is Tiger Woods is back! I am a Tiger Woods fanatic. I love him. I don't care about everything that happened off the 
course with him and, and his ex-wife and, and any of his mistresses or whatnot. I think he should actually get some more mistresses so he can get back the playing shape. Um, but this is, he's, Tiger was his back. He started, I think he eagled a couple of holes yesterday. So it's, it's really, really exciting that this man is back because I think that he's the greatest golfer of our lifetime. I think that, you know, he, he has received a lot of unnecessary hate, but I guess that sort of comes with the territory whenever you're, you're one of the, the greatest athletes on the planet. But he has had uh, some instances with his back, and I know a lot of golf fans wanted to see him back earlier in the year. He tried to make it make it happen it just didn't work out it was probably a little too early for him to come back so he, he withdrew from the tournament and now he's finally back this is one of his charitable golf tournaments and he for those who who doubt his impact on the game you've never been to it you, you have to go to a golf tournament in order to understand the impact that tiger has and and for people who especially in north florida we're surrounded by golf courses all over the place and we have one of the golf meccas in the world with PPC sawgrass just right down the road so we have a lot and we have a strong golf culture here in in jacksonville florida and every time that i've gone to tpc or i've gone to um another golf tournament you can, what we call, or what we like to call, because I usually work these events, and we like to call it the Tiger Bubble. If Tiger is teeing off early in the morning, expect super, uh, super large crowds. You have to almost double your staff of what you have, you know, food and beverage wise, um, course, and people that work the courts and things like that. Um, but that is a, a, what we like to call the Tiger Bubble. If Tiger is teeing off later in the day, then you don't have to bring that staff in until later on in the day. That's how much he impacts not only attendance at golf events, but ratings as well. People want to tune in to see Tiger to either cheer for him or to hate on him and to see him fail. And that's sort of the, the, the draw with Tiger. And I think a lot of people are still hoping that he can he, he can get to that 18 major mark and be the, officially the greatest golfer of all time, even though I think that, you know, the determination of a major is, is wishy-washy at best. For those who don't know, I've written about this previously on guysgirl.com, but the idea of a major tournament in golf is a myth. And you know how we have the, the what's the media calls the, the four biggest or the four majors in golf. It's, it's complete fabrication. Those are the four one of the four best events in golf, and the media dubs them the majors. But that the media was the one. There, there what there is no governing body in golf that determines what is a major and what isn't a major. And that's been a gripe of mine for years with having the Players Championship here in Jacksonville, Florida. Is that a lot of people call. The Players Championship as the fifth major, and it, it's not recognized in the eyes of the the golf media world. Whenever they talk about which players have such and such majors and which ones they don't, even though the Players Championship has the highest purse out of any tournament in the United States. So this is and it's one of the iconic, you know, the 17 hole. That's that's iconic. The Island Green. Um, the best golfers in the world come to play this course for the Players' Championship. And if you have the highest course, the best golfers in the world, one of the, the toughest courses that, that challenges all aspects of your game, short and long game, and it's not called a major, I, I, I call bullshit on that. And I actually wrote about the historical aspect of it because I talked with a former major winner and Mark McCumber, he's a North Florida resident as well, and he was the one that first shined a light on this for me and that he said that there's no governing body that determines what is a major and what isn't. So to my point about Tiger Woods, that if 
he's chasing this major record and he has several wins at the Players' Championship. So my gripe is that Tiger Woods could be that much closer to breaking that record if the Players' Championship was deemed as a major in sports or, or, or by the sports media. It was in the, the 60s that it was determined of what classifies as a major. And a member of the media was the one who came up with it. And the rest of the media has just sort of ran with it ever since then. And to me, that's sort of a crock of shit. If, if you have a course like the Players' Championship or really any, any course in the world where you have a high purse that's being offered or being awarded to the winner, if you have the best golfers in the world coming to play your course and you have a historical advantage at your course or a historical appeal, then why doesn't that qualify as a major? So that, that's my little – I'll end on that rant as far as Tiger, Tiger is concerned. But Tiger's back, baby. And here's hoping that this is the start of a long career uh, where he can continue to win major championships and tournaments, whatever way the media wants to determine what a major is. So that pretty much wraps up the, the sports news for the week. We'll get into some of the must-watch games, but first I want to touch on some of these, um, these stories around the Internet that you might have missed in the entertainment world. With uh, You might have missed this, but which is really, really exciting, though, but Nintendo announced that they're going to be creating Nintendo World, and they're going to be putting it at various universal parks all around the country. So I'm, I'm very close living in Jacksonville. I am very, very close, and a lot of you are, to the universal, you know, Harry Potter World and all that good stuff. But Nintendo is going to be opening up a Nintendo World at each universal park. I believe one in Japan, one in Orlando, and then the one out in uh, California. So that's huge news for Nintendo fans out there. That now, there's no details about what they're going to be added, but some of the fans... And Nintendo fans, me one of them, were theorizing and, and talking about it with you know our amongst our friends and and how cool would it be to have something like a Mario Kart go kart track in Universal that you could you know essentially I don't know how you could play it like the, the video game is concerned but that would be amazing if you could just walk up to the track and be able to pick up you know a Princess Peach who is my go-to player if you were to be able to hop in a Princess Peach go-kart track and I don't know how you would do it but you maybe digitally you know throw a red shell or a blue shell at somebody and their cart stops automatically and because you just hit them or you throw a banana peel out and they spin out on the track like how cool would that be to be able to, to ride in something like that or to go through a mario obstacle course or even you know like have a, a, a character village like what you see in the legend of zelda um just there's a lot of different possibilities that can happen with a nintendo world i think that the best spot for all of this is going to be orlando because they had the most space to work with and and uh, outside of California and Japan, I don't know how much space it takes. I know they're, they're working with limited spaces in both of those two locations, but I look to Orlando to be the premier one for the world because they basically have a lot of real estate to work with in those parks. So that's really, really exciting news. Also last night, was the Game Awards, where it awards, you know, some of the top video games that have performed over the past year, and Pokemon Go was one of the big winners, they won Best Mobile and Handheld Game, and Best Family Game at the Video Game Awards last night, 
Hideo Kojima, who's a Japanese video game designer, Metal Gear Solid, he accepted his Industry Icon Award. Um, if you remember correctly, he finished my Metal Gear, Gear Solid 5, and then, uh, what is it, he left his company and then went into isolation and, and started creating new games, so that was a big, big win for him last night for being an Industry Icon Award, because he's been in isolation for a while, except for, you know, a brief appearance at E3 earlier in the year. Best narrative for, or, or the game that won the best narrative goes to Naughty Dog's Uncharted 4, and if you've never played Uncharted, if you're one of those Xbox freaks that has never gotten a PlayStation, I highly, highly, <clears throat> excuse me, recommend that you pick up a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 3, whatever you want, and, and pick up Uncharted, because Uncharted is my favorite video game series of all time. It's one of those games where they famously Sony had the famously the, the commercials a few years back where uh, the, the, the guy is playing the video game and the girlfriend thinks it's a movie so she goes and grabs popcorn and a drink and she says oh we're watching the movie again tonight right and she sits down and meanwhile he's playing the game like it's 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 that entertaining of a storyline and of gameplay so Uncharted Four wins for best narrative, so so good job to Naughty Dog, uh, probably my favorite developer in, in the gaming world. And then the big winner of the night is Blizzard's Overwatch. They won game of the year, so congrats to them. And, and while I'm talking about gaming, if you're in the North Florida area around December 17th, uh, one of my favorite companies, I've worked with them for years, called GAM, it's, it's an acronym for Games, Art, and Music, they're throwing another legendary party. And they... Over the years, they've had different theme parties. They've had Ninja Turtles. They've had Final Fantasy. They've had Avengers. Um, different theme parties that brings people together to to give off um, or, or have a charity art auction. So they have all this awesome like video game art hung up on the walls. They do these massive photo shoots where people dress up in cosplay. I've, I've been honored to, to be asked to be a part of a lot of them. And you get to dress up as different characters. And it's just it's a lot of fun. And they take a real artistic approach to, to games, but they also have a huge fun of it where they have, you know, gaming tournaments going on, and then they also have DJs and bands playing, and, and everybody's dressed up in costumes, and they serve awesome food, and uh, like pizza rolls, and, and tater tots, and just like gamer-friendly food, a bunch of local vendors show up there too, but they're having another event. And it's not as, it, it, this is like one of their, their mini game events, they have one big event each year, and that one ha has already passed, and that was the um, that was the versus theme. So I I don't know if maybe some of you saw, but if you check out my social media or even on Guys Girl, but I dressed up as Sonya Blade from. Uh, Mortal Kombat, she was the first female character ever introduced into the game. But this time, it's going, the theme of the event is Secret Toyland. And so it's themed around your favorite toys from the 80s and 90s. Think like uh, troll dogs and slap bracelets and things like that. But it's on Saturday, December 17th from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. And you can just search on Facebook. If you just search for GAM, Secret Toyland, you should be able to, you should either be prompted to their, their, uh, homepage or you should be prompted to the actual event page, but it's definitely well worth uh, taking it in if you're in the North Florida area. I just bought my costume and I'm going to go as Kimberly the Pink Ranger for Power Rangers because I'm a I still am, but uh, I as a kid Power Rangers was my jam. I remember for my birthday I got twenty dollars from my parents, and when you're when you're a kid 
especially years ago that nowadays people get like a hundred bucks for their birthday. But for my birthday, I got twenty dollars, and I was really, really excited because it was enough money that I could join our Rangers fan club. And so I gave my mom the cash. She sent off a check, and a. About a month later, I got a box back from the Power Rangers, and you get, like, Power Ranger money, and you got these little coins, and you got, you know, autographed pictures, and decals, and, I mean, it was just, it was really awesome, so I was a little bit of a Power Rangers fanatic, so I bought my costume to be Kimberly the Pink Ranger, I still have my morpher from when I was a kid, I have all the action figures too, but I still have my morpher, and that's the thing, if you if you don't really remember, uh, in Power Rangers, they, when they transform from uh, just their regular everyday clothes to, to fight bad guys, then they use their morpher to transfer, or transform into their Power Ranger costume, and so that's the thing that they stick out, and they say, you know, pterodactyl, or triceratops, or, um, but, so I still have my morpher that I'm definitely going to be using, and it works, and side note, if you search on, like, eBay, or, like, a couple of other different collection sites, the morphers are pretty, uh, they're pretty in high demand, I remember seeing one years ago that was going for, like, 400 bucks just for the one working morpher. So I'm, I'm happy to say that I still have my morpher. I'm going to be keeping a, 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 a close eye on it the entire night to make sure that nobody steals it from me because that's something that um, is, is worth a little bit of money. Uh, maybe not so much nowadays, um, but it was a few years ago back when I checked. Uh, final story for Around the Internet, and I thought that this story was um, was hilarious and, and, and sad sort of at the same time. But this girl in, I think it's Japan, but a bank error put $4 million into this girl's account. And it happened about a year ago, and she, when it happened, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell her boyfriend, her longtime boyfriend that she's been together with. So instead, she just decides to go out on a spending spree. So much so that she spent the majority of the $4 million before the bank realized the error and arrested her. So whenever they started going through and where she spent this money, she spent close to a million dollars on purses alone. And nobody knew, not even her boyfriend. And there's actually video of her getting arrested live. And her boyfriend, the look on his face is like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what did you do? I don't know how he didn't know that she's taking extravagant vacations and buying, you know, $200,000 purses, which, side note, if you pay $200,000 for a purse, you're an idiot. What, what are you spending $200,000 on a purse for? Like, that's just, that boggles my mind that people pay that much money for a purse. The most I've ever paid for a purse, I think I paid like 80 bucks for a nice backpack. And it's not even a purse. Like that, I think that sort of speaks to my personality more so than anything, but $200,000 for a purse? Are you out of your mind? And it close to a million dollars total in to, to spend on purses. So I just thought that that was um, ridiculous and funny at the same time because uh, years ago, about three years ago, I was working with, and something similar sort of happened to me because I was working with an ad company, and I had an article go viral, and based off the way my ads were set up on my site, it's one of those, it was like a Google AdSense ad or something, and they, and they change based off of the viewer habits and the, and the cookies in your browser and all that good stuff. Um, 
So there was a deceptive ad that, I, I mean, I don't control the ads that, are, well, I didn't back in the day. I do now because of that instance. But back in the day, I didn't control what ads appeared. So when I had this article go viral, and I had like a million hits in less than 24 hours, goddamn, it, it broke my server, it broke my site. Um, but for the people that were able to get in there and view the story, uh, there was a deceptive ad that the way it showed up on mobile was that it looked like a white screen and that there was no text. So when people were scrolling through, they were accidentally hitting this ad that was created deceptively so that people would click on it. And so I ended up getting, I was supposed to get like a significant amount of money based off of that ad. And then Google realized that after about a month later, Google realized their mistake of what happened with the ad and they came back and said, oh, well, you didn't really earn those clicks, so you're only going to get a portion of the money that you should have gotten. It was about $5,000 that I was supposed to get, but I ended up only getting about 1200 which sucked. Um, obviously, it sucked, but because I got so much traffic off of that article, I was able to get into a, a higher tier ad network platform. And so when I got into the, the higher tier platform, about a month after joining that platform, they... Uh, by mistake, sent me more than $10,000, and, and I looked at it, and I said, uh, this isn't right, like, I, I, that's one of those, like, double takes, where you look at your bank account balance, you're like, um, why, why are you gonna tell me my emotions like this, because this is really exciting to be able to just be gifted $10,000, and did I really earn this, though? So I reached out to the company, and I said, I just got a significant payment for, uh, sales on my website, and I just want to make sure that everything is okay, and I reached out to a couple different reps, and both of those reps told me that no, it was legitimate, it's, um, it, it's, it, it's um, a proper payment, and I said, oh, hell yes, because less than a month later, I was going to Vegas, I said, oh my god, like, I have this much money to pay, not this much money, obviously I wouldn't spend all 10 grand of it, but I just, I, I thought that, oh, well, I'm going on vacation, I have all this extra money now, like I can, I'm, and especially I'm going to Vegas, like I can leave it up when I'm there, but something inside me told me, like, something's going to come back on this, you probably shouldn't spend this money, um, so I didn't end up spending it while I was in Vegas, and it was a good call on my part, because about two months later, the ad company came back and said, you know what, sorry, we grossly overpaid you, we're going to need you to send that money back, and, and thank God I did that, because I ended up sending them all of the money back, and it was um, sort of a seamless process, uh, they gave me a little bit just for my efforts, or just for my trouble, of having, and when I say a little bit, I mean like 50 bucks. So 50 bucks out of 10,000, it's like, yay, thanks for, for nothing. Um, thanks for being a good person. Um, but this girl, she did not take the route that I took, and she ended up spending close to $4 million that was uh, mistakenly put into her account. Uh, she has been arrested for, for falsely accepting bank funds, and she will have to pay all of that money back. So just a little bit of a lesson learned that if a bank makes a mistake and puts some money in your account, it's, it's not your money. It's not yours. You're going to have to pay it back. So don't spend it is the lesson of the day. So we're going to go into the must-watch games of the weekend, and then I'm going to let you guys go. But the must-watch games for the weekend, 
Uh, Colorado, obviously, the college football this week is the last week of the regular season, or the last week of the regular season, I guess, was last week, because this week we have all of the championship games, and I uh, could determine a little bit of a shakeup of the top four teams in the playoffs. So Colorado versus fourth-ranked Washington is tonight at 9 p.m. on Fox. If Washington loses, they're the fourth-ranked team in the nation right now, so that'll get a little shakeup there for uh, the playoff settings. But Colorado, you might have missed this story, but two of the line, I think they're linebackers, but two players in general from Colorado, uh, they were celebrating their big win last weekend. Two of their guys got a little drunk at the bar. One of the guys was kicked out, and when the other guy followed them, they got into a fight, and one of the Colorado players falls on the ground, and there's police officers outside, and they want to try to find out the identity of the guy that's on the ground, so they start searching his pockets and trying to find his wallet to, to figure out the ID. Well, when they search his pockets, they find three little baggies of cocaine. So apparently these Colorado players were, were doing a little bit of um, heavy partying right before their, their big matchup this weekend before fourth rank, uh, or against fourth-ranked Washington. So those two guys will be missing that game, which is a huge, colossal fuck-up on their part, because if you could have waited just another week, like you could have honestly had a, had a chance at, at maybe possibly beating Washington. So we'll see how that game's going to turn out. That, tonight, that game tonight is 9 p.m. on Fox. Tomorrow we have Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Um, Bama versus Florida. I think everybody knows that, that Bama versus Florida, that Bama's going to wipe the floor, and that's the 4 p.m. game. Uh, and then later on that night, both of these games are at 8 p.m. on Saturday, and this could also determine uh, how the college football playoffs are going to shape out. Uh, Clemson versus Virginia Tech, if they lose again, that could give an opportunity for Penn State to make it into uh, the, the, the playoffs because also Penn State plays at 8 p.m. Wisconsin uh, versus Penn State. That will happen at 8 p.m., I believe, on Fox. Um, but that, if any of those teams lose, that could be a chance for, well, Clemson loses or Washington loses, that could be a chance for Penn State to get into the playoffs and We'll see what happens with Ohio State, and if and if Penn State can win the Big the Big Ten, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ohio State, and if they're going to bump them uh, based off of their loss earlier in the year to Penn State. So we'll see what happens with that. It's going to be a good weekend for college football, and moving on to the NFL on Sunday. Really, the only good games, and these are the ones that I pulled that, that are of interest to me, um, probably of interest to, to mainstream fans everywhere except for uh, Denver at Jags. Um, but Denver at Jags is obviously going to be close to home. Um, it's one of our first home games in about a month for, for Jacksonville Jaguar fans. It's been a rough season so far this year, and I feel like I say that every year. But Denver's coming in as a five-point favorite, and um, I think the Jaguars might have a little bit of a chance to win this game. This could be one of those fluky games that all of a sudden the offense puts all the pieces together and, and they want to play like that prolific offense that we saw last year. So And, and on the other side of the ball, Jacksonville has a six-ranked defense in the NFL. So our defense against that Broncos offense is a little questionable. So both of these teams have questionable offenses, but both of these teams have really good defenses, and Denver specifically has a really good defense. It's also Malik um, Jackson, the big free agent signing that the Jaguars signed back in March for a $90 billion contract. He's going to be facing off against his former team uh, for the first time since uh, winning the Super Bowl last year. And if you remember correctly, Malik Jackson was the person who scored the first touchdown in the game after Von Miller stripped the ball from Cam Newton, and Malik Jackson recovered it in the end zone, scoring his first touchdown and the first touchdown in the Super Bowl. So that's pretty cool that um, we'll see that matchup. Now for the games that majority of NFL fans will probably um, find 
more value in is uh, Chiefs at Falcons. That's a must win for both of those teams. The Chiefs got to keep ahead or, or keep keep up with the Oakland Raiders in that AFC West division. Obviously, the NFC South, the Falcons got to keep going or keep their, their lead strong in that division, especially with um, the Tampa Bay Bucks who might make a late season run here. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, I believe they have a pretty good matchup this week, but I don't have it right in front of me, so I'm going to move on to the other um, games that I think that's going to be really good or decent, decent storylines attached to them anyways. Uh, Giants at Steelers, let's see if Giants can, can continue their winning streak moving forward and, and maybe cause a little ruckus there in the wild card race in the NFC. As the Steelers obviously want to win that game big, but the Giants defense is, is playing pretty well right now, so um, it's a big week for fantasy football players too, uh, so I think this is what, week 13? Yeah, week 13, so playoffs are starting here in a couple weeks for a lot of fantasy leagues out there, so Steelers with a lot of um, playoff implications as far as uh, the people who own or who are Antonio Brown or Ben Roethlisberger owners, so that could be a big game to watch. The Sunday night game, Carolina at Seattle. Carolina has shown a little bit of signs of life over the past couple weeks, but I just don't think they got enough to, to take on Seattle. I think that Seattle's, um, Seattle's got to lose. It, it's more or less uh, Seattle's determining if they're going to win or lose that game. I don't think Carolina can actually determine the outcome of that game. Uh, Monday night matchup, India Jets. Meh, but I figured I would just give you the Monday night matchup, even though that sounds like a terrible game to watch. But Indy is competing for that AFC South, that dreadful, dreadful AFC South where it seems like nobody wants to win it. So I'm going to, I don't think the Texans, who currently lead the AFC South, I don't think that they're going to stick around and hold that division lead. I think it's ultimately going to be up to Indy and the Titans. So that is essentially it for all of the sports and entertainment stuff that you might have missed this weekend and the stuff that's coming up this coming up weekend. Um, I don't know what kind of plans you guys have this weekend, but I know... For me, I'll be at the Jags game on Sunday. <sighs> My season ticket holder, but I do really, really enjoy tailgating. So that's going to be fun to, to have a little fun with your football family on Sunday. I'll also be covering uh, the pregame. I'll be on the pregame coverage from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's always a good time. And then right after the show is over, I walk right over to our tailgate spot, <clears throat> which is a few blocks away. And then we get the party started a little bit. I'm already in a group chat with um, with a bunch of people who are talking about bringing tequila and shish kebabs on the game on Sunday, so at least we're doing our part as fans to, to, to bring the party to and, and have a little bit of fun on game days. Hopefully the Jaguars can, can, can do the same and not make it as a miserable experience as we've had all season long. Um, another thing I wanted to, to sh- give a shout out to is um, Safe Harbor Seafood, which if, you've, if you're a seafood fanatic, I certainly am. There's a local company here in Jacksonville called Safe Harbor Seafood, and they have the best shrimp on the planet. They're not telling me to say that, although I will accept their money and their advertising if they would like to. But I wanted to just give a big, big shout-out to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, formerly known as the Jacksonville Suns. They recently changed their name to the Jumbo Shrimp, the minor league baseball team in town. Um, obviously, minor league baseball teams are, are known for their, for their wacky promotions and team names and things like that. Um, but the, the, I 
there was a little bit of concern that when they changed their name, that they would go with um, a shitty provider as far as seafood is concerned. And when I say shitty, I don't mean, really mean shitty. I mean, like, not fresh. And to me, if you live in an area where you have access to fresh seafood, there is no comparison whenever you have to buy it frozen. And frozen sucks. If you have to go to Red Lobster to get your seafood, I pray for you because Eating fresh seafood, there's really, there's no comparison. But the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp announced a partnership with Safe Harbor Seafood that they're going to be serving Safe Harbor Shrimp at every single home game. So I think that's badass that the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp actually went above and beyond to avoid going with anybody else except for those or a company that offers fresh seafood. So kudos to Safe Harbor. They're coming up big. And then kudos to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp for listening to their fans and actually providing a, a, a feedback because that was one of the, the my biggest criticisms after the, the Jumbo or the, the Suns changed their name to the Jumbo Shrimp. I said, you have to make sure if you're going to call yourself the shrimp, you better make sure that you have the best tasting goddamn shrimp on the planet and Partnering with Safe Harbor solidifies that. So kudos to both of those those two organizations. That's going to be um, that's going to be a big hit at games, and I, I hope that Safe Harbor continues to grow up as far as their um, as far as people finding out how good their seafood is. I have done stories on them. I have done stories on their fishermen, and I can tell you that I have witnessed a fishing. If you're unfamiliar with the Jacksonville landscape, we have an area called Mayport where it's a, a large military base, but we also have a little fishing village in Mayport. And I live very close to Mayport, so it's very close to my heart. And I, I go down there regularly, and when I was doing a story on a fisherman for Safe Harbor, I witnessed them Pulling the boat up because because the restaurant is located right on the water and the the fisher the, the fishing boats are right there and they literally they go out to sea they have two different types of fishermen they have guys that go out and they go out for a few days or they have guys that go out just for the day and, those, and the majority of the guys that go out just for the day are the shrimp fishermen and they come back and I have witnessed them pull their boat up to the dock. And they have a conveyor belt, and they're unloading all of the fresh fish that they just caught, or the fresh shrimp that they just caught, and they put it on a conveyor belt, and they have lines of workers that clean the seafood. And so I've seen a tuna, for example. I've seen a tuna come off of the boat and be cleaned, and was a sandwich on someone's plate 15 minutes later. And that, that to me... Is, is you cannot compare as far as fresh seafood is concerned. So that, that's my little story about Safe Harbor. I love them. They didn't pay me to say any of that stuff, but like I said, I will accept their money or anybody else who would like to be interested in, in advertising on the Guys Girl Show. So that that about does it for today's show. I just uh, want to remind you guys again that if you haven't subscribed to iTunes or your podcast player of choice, just search for Guys Girl Shows. Um, you can find it in iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher um, or any other, I, I think, Windows phones. I had a question. My aunt had a question about how she could subscribe on Windows phones. I've never used a Windows phone in my life. But if you have a Windows phone, I believe you have a podcast player in in your phone itself so you have to just search for it and then uh, just search for for guys girl shows and it should be it should pop up our rss feed and if you missed any part of this show or you want to go back and, and see some more read some more information or see some of the stuff that i talked about i'll include all of that in the podcast recap but until then thank you guys again for tuning in this has been another edition of the guys girl show and thank you so much and i hope you guys have a great weekend go jags